Welcome to Wellness Connections with the Solutions Group, a passionate team of health and wellness experts that believe every workplace and every community can be a wellness avenue for positive change in the physical and emotional health of individuals. Our experience in workplace wellness inspired us to bring this passion and knowledge to the podcast stage. Sharing real-world stories and science-based practices, your wellness is an ongoing act of creation and we hope to inspire you on that journey. Welcome. Joining us on today's podcast is Rick Vinay. We will be discussing positivity and how it's related to happiness, performance, and overall well-being. Rick is currently the executive director for the Solutions Group Wellness and EAP. He has worked in the behavioral health field since 1996, spending most of his time in EAP management. In addition to his administrative duties at the Solutions Group, he provides consultation to supervisors, managers, and human resources professionals, conducts organizational interventions, and leads workshops. Rick is a licensed clinical social worker and a certified employee assistance professional. Rick, we're so glad to have you on here today. Well, thank you. I'm glad to be here, Shane. Yeah, so Rick, this is Anna. We're going to go ahead and start the questions with a question that we're asking every single one of our guests that we have on the podcast. And that question is, who has been your greatest inspiration in the area of wellness? Oh, that's a great question. So I guess um, it might be helpful to go back and and take a look at how I got involved in wellness and EAP services. And so it, it wasn't mentioned in the bio, um, which is fine <laughs> because I've lived a long time. <laughs> so there's a lot in my bio. Anyway, before I be, I got my degree in social work, I was actually, I have an undergraduate degree in mechanical engineering. And I worked in that field for 15 years and it just wasn't my, purpose. You know, it, it just, I never felt like it was something that I got real involved in or was my passion. And as a result, I, I kind of hit a bottom. I burned out in the field. So I was working on an MBA, had my uh, degree in, in engineering, worked as a project engineer for a multinational company and started talking to someone about how I felt like I didn't have any energy. And lo and behold, I found out that I was burned out. So for me, that was that was probably like hitting a bottom and realizing that I need to find out what my passion is. And through talking to the person that helped me with with uh, addressing my burnout symptoms, I realized that I liked what he did. <laughs> and I thought he ah. that person that that um, that counselor helped me a lot. And I so then I, I you know, as I mentioned, I was working on an MBA night school and I went down and, and switched to school of social work. And as they say, the rest is history. And I've, I've never regretted it for a moment. You know, most people looked at me and said, you can imagine, um, do you know what you'll make as a social worker as compared to as a mechanical engineer? <laughs> um, but you know what it taught me is that you have to follow your passion. And that's a big part of wellness. And so, you know, that's probably my inspiration was my own experience and getting involved then in, in helping others through wellness services and, and realizing that I, I totally enjoy that as I'm sure you guys can relate to. Wow, that is an incredible, incredible story, especially because I think so, so many times people will go into a field and maybe they feel like, 
oh, it's too late. I'm already 35 or I'm already 42 or whatever age. And they're like, well, I, I'm feeling this pull towards something else, and it, but I, it's too late. So that's a really awesome, inspiring story around, you know, how you got involved in wellness. And it just took that one person that kind of lit, lit mm-hmm. your light bulb up. Yeah, I think that's great. Nice. I mean, I think at any point in life, you should be able to give yourself that permission to totally just jump ship and go after your passions. You know, even if it's during college and you're young and, and you've already put in the time and you spend a lot of money on student loans, I think just jumping ship and, and doing what you love doing is awesome. So that is a super, super good feel good story, Rick. Great. Well, thank you, guys. I, I appreciate the opportunity to share it with you. So kind of jumping right into it. I mean, as you talk about your passions, we see the smile on your face and we see that you're doing what you love doing and you're telling us, but it's just it's, it's beaming. We can hear it in your voice. And so, you know, kind of relating it to the whole topic of the discussion of the day is going to be around positive psychology. So just to really get into it, Rick, can you give us a definition or kind of an explanation of what is positive psychology? Sure. And, you know, um, I can start out by saying something that I use a lot in my own life and I share with others um, when I'm helping them is that I have I'm a firm believer in we 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 are what we believe. And so you know, positive psychology addresses that, that, uh, for lack of a better word, I'll just say that dynamic in a way that looks at what are the beliefs that we're holding and what beliefs do we construct our life around. And, you know, that's not a fixed, that's not a fixed belief system. Any of us can change our beliefs. On some days, it might feel really difficult and like there's no way I could change a belief. However, there are methods to change our beliefs. And that was, that's what positive psychology is all about. So it focuses on character strengths and behaviors that allow individuals to build a life of meaning and purpose and to move, move beyond surviving and, and, and moving into flourishing. So, you know, when I tell my story, a lot of what is inherent in that story is that I started out as pretty much surviving and realized that I wanted to flourish. So that's what positive psychology helps us to do. And the way that it does that is, is they use scientific methods. So there have been many studies conducted around positive psychology and changing belief systems and changing who you are and how you see and interact in the world. So some of those methods are looking at um, our sensory awarenesses, what we're surrounding ourselves with as far as our, our sense awarenesses. Also social communication, how we're conducting that and who we're communicating with and how we're doing that. Um, another big piece is gratitude practices. You know, what are we grateful for? Reframing from maybe a negative belief system into a positive one. And then another big component of positive psychology is what we call cognitive reframing. So getting back to we are what we believe, looking at what are those messages that we're sending to ourselves throughout the day. And if they're negative messages, you know, um, a term that I heard way back when is, is those tapes that we tend to run through our mind throughout the day. And if we're running negative tapes, I guess that's kind of a dated, uh, dated analogy at this point. If we're running, a, if we're running negative, a negative audio through our mind, then you know, what can we do to change that? Because there are methods, scientific methods, to look at changing the way that we're interacting with the world and how our cognitions are, are telling us to react to the world. So um, tying in with that, a buzzword that we hear a lot about lately is resiliency. And that's that ability when something hits us between the eyes, 
what is it that we do with that situation and how do we frame that situation so that it doesn't flatten us and if it does flatten us that you know we're able to get back up dust ourselves off, off as they say and and move on so that's what positive psychology is looking at is how do we do that how do we help someone to do that on their own and another thing that i'd like to mention is is one of the the things that drew me to positive psychology is it's something that when, when you're looking at a positive psychology intervention for yourself or helping someone to do do a, an intervention with themselves you want it to be something that's long lasting so most of us can you know change our our way of relating to the world for a period of time but with positive psychology we're looking at how do we make that something that's lasting and that stays with the person throughout the rest of their life Oh, I love that theme of like, can you, how can you make it evergreen? Which actually takes me to a really important question because so often we hear um, either questions or maybe culturally this sentiment of like, well, I just want to be happy. I just want to be happy. So can you think, can you kind of help us distinguish or our listeners distinguish between the difference of being happy versus um, being positive or being an optimist. Can you give us the distinction between that and which one has more evergreen or more sustainability? Yeah, and um, it is something that's looked at in positive psychology is what exactly is, is quote unquote happiness. And so in positive psychology, what they're looking at is how do you build meaning in your life? How do you build, build meaning and purpose? So, um, you know, one way of looking at happiness is is a temporary quote unquote fix let's call it so let's say you're in a down mood and so you get on amazon and you're looking through amazon for something that would maybe pick you up a little bit or, or give you a better mood um, or deliver a better mood so you know you, you order that that object or whatever it might be it shows up in the mail you do next day shipping and there it is <laughs> So we've all had this experience, you know, how long does that quote unquote happiness last in that situation? So it, it usually, you know, depending on what the object is and how much attachment you might have to the object, it, it might last for, you know, a few days, a few weeks, maybe a few months. However, is it, where is that, that happiness coming from? It's really coming from something outside yourself. So what what we're looking at with positive psychology is life satisfaction, well-being that comes from within the person. So it's something that you build on your own. And, you know, we do that by looking at uh, how, how do you build your optimism? How do you become more of an optimistic person? Um, how do you appreciate the present? Uh, how do you accept and make peace with your past? And then what are you grateful for? You know, and, and gratitude can also help us moving into forgiveness. And not only forgiveness for ourselves, but or for others, but for ourselves as well, which you know is something that I think is really important, especially in our current culture. And and just looking at, you know, maybe I'm good enough. Maybe the people around me are good enough. So you can see how when you start moving into this this mindset of optimism and being grateful, that what happens is you're no longer focused on what's not working. So you know when when the luster works off or, or wears off that that object that you just got in from Amazon, let's say it's um, the latest iPhone, you know, when the new iPhone comes out, you're not you're not relying on the new iPhone to make you happy. You're happy with 
with the things that you've built in your life and that you appreciate. So the happiness is no longer coming from an external source. It's coming from within the person. So, you know, those are some of the things that we're looking at with with sort of the longer term or the lasting happiness is not looking at those momentary pleasures um, that we might find in life. So uh, does that answer your question, Anna? Anna? Yeah, I mean, that's really, I guess what I get from that is happiness is sometimes more external or more temporary emotion, whereas optimism or positive psychology is more of a skill that you can build that brings you more of an evergreen sense of fulfillment yeah. and well-being. Yeah, and there's, a, there's an analogy of, um, I love this analogy, it's a, it's a person that decides that they want to be happy. So, so they, they divest themselves of all of their uh, worldly belongings and all their relationships. And they realize that, you know, it's, it's my trying to control my environment and the things around me that's causing my unhappiness. So they think, you know, I've tried to get the situation situated just perfectly so that I'm going to be happy all the time. So they, they get rid of everything. They move into a cave. And what happens once they're living in that cave? Well, we know what's going to happen. Yeah, they, they get yeah. lonely. They start to notice that one part of the cave is maybe um, colder and damper than another part of the cave. So it's that constant sort of um, longing for better conditions that that creates that um, that unhappiness. So, so it's looking at how are you happy in your current situation? How are you happy? Maybe you do change your situation and move to a cave, but then you have to make sure that you're going to be happy living in that cave by yourself. So um, looking at framing your world so that it's not dependent on something outside yourself through building, building those positive emotions within, within yourself. So, you know, we live in this huge consumerist culture. And like you said, we can jump on Amazon at any time and click a button and we get it. And so we're always chasing, you know, whether it's the dopamine high or just, just getting a new thing and, and striving to be happy in that way. But then on the opposite side of the spectrum, you know, practicing some of this optimism and things like that, you know, is it a daily focus? Is it something that, again, you have to implement these things daily to strive for? And, you know, if so, what does that look like? What type of things can you implement in your life daily? Great question. So there are, in positive psychology, there are seven categories, main categories that we look at in order to to build that um, that happiness and well-being from within. So the first one that we look at is savoring and just paying attention to what's happening in the moment being aware of what's happening. Um, it ties in, as you can, as you've probably already surmised, it ties in with mindfulness and savoring that experience in the moment. So, you know, it could be just a, a, a wonderful smell of food that you're cooking. It could be the sound of your kids laughing. Uh, it could be just a really wonderful memory that you hold on to and hold dear. So savoring those moments and realizing that the more time that we spend savoring those moments, the happier we'll, be, we'll become. Um, what they've seen in studies is that the, the tool of savoring actually can, can help with people who are experiencing depressive symptoms. You know, because with depressive symptoms, there's this, there's this, focus on what's not going right and the things that maybe we're hoping for in the future that we hope to be different and maybe looking at things in the past and thinking, oh, I, I wish that had been different, which can contribute to our depressive symptoms. So savoring helps us to bring us into the moment and helps helps us to stay more mindful. And you know, what's happening in our, our life that's, that's actually something that Maybe we're missing out on because we're not savoring that. So, you know, humor is very important. I, I, I think 
humor can never be underestimated on the power of just seeing the 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 fun and the humor in certain moments and you know there's I can say from my own experience that being able to laugh at myself and some of the situations that I can get into just within my mind um, can can be very funny and it takes the power away from them. So savoring is, is one tool that's really important. Another one is being grateful. And I mentioned that earlier and just looking at what we're grateful for, you know, what's going on in our world that we can be um, thankful that we have in our life. And it's, you know, I, I always caution people to be careful with, with, uh, gratitude in that it doesn't mean that you're looking at someone else's life and going, well, their life, their life seems really horrible. Mine's not that bad. Um, that's, that's not what we really want to do. That might be the case, but we really want to look at what are the things in our life? What are we focusing on that helps us to create a positive mood and gratitude? Anytime that we're holding that, that thought, that mind or that feeling of gratitude, we're going to be happy in that moment. So what I've seen and what I've experienced in others is that those moments can start to build on one another. And instead of looking at what's not working and fault finding with maybe our job or our family or our kids or whatever it might be, our government, um, it helps us to shift into looking at what's working and what are we grateful for. So um, there are seven, seven positive psychology tools that we use. The third one is kindness, just being kind to others. You know, we feel good when we're kind, sort of that play it forward you know, do something for someone else, and then hopefully they, they, that will carry through and, and someone else will do an act of kindness for someone else. And then, it, you know, it's, it sort of ripples out from there. So being kind just for the sake of being kind and being aware, you know, all of these tie in together in some ways, being aware that when we're being kind, how do we feel? You know, when we're being kind, how do we feel when we're maybe talking about someone in a way that's not too flattering to someone else about someone else? How does that feel? And does that really feel kind? So starting to get in touch with how our feelings are coordinated with what we're thinking and and doing with ourselves. You know, maybe it's our speech or maybe it's something that we're doing. So looking at um, living our life in a way that's kind. And once again, anytime that we're being kind to another, if we're really present in that moment, we're going to feel good. So kindness is the third one. The fourth one is empathy and just understanding what other people are might be going through. You know, we're not having their experience, but just having empathy for them. You know, um, maybe some of you saw this clip. I saw someone had sent it to me a little while back and it was a man that was going into Starbucks to get a coffee. And all of the obstacles in his way as he was going in to get his morning coffee. And, and if you're like me, you know how important that, that morning cup of coffee is. <laughs> so, so, you know, someone takes his parking spot and then he, he has to look around for another spot and it takes him a while. And then he gets out of his car and he trips over the curb and, you know, it just goes on and on. And then someone just kind of closes the door in front of him and then the line is long and, and, you know, everyone has these special orders. So, um, so they walk you through that and then they take you back through that same scenario and they start showing you what's going on in this person's life. And you see this man's attitude change. And, you know, that's the power of empathy. And everyone has, you know, we know this intellectually, but to, to use our empathy to go, maybe they're having a bad day. You know, maybe, maybe something horrible has just happened in their life. And that's why they're acting like that. Maybe they've had a horrible life. And you know that's why they're doing what they're doing. So it helps us not to take things personally, and look at you know 
our situation from the other person's point of view and, and maybe see them in another light. So empathy helps us once again to build those positive emotions and then that that happiness or that well-being and, and positive lifestyle. Um, the fifth one is optimism. And you know, at one point in my life, I realized whether I'm going to be a pessimist or an optimist is is really a decision. You know, do I want to be a pessimistic person? You know, sort of that. You know, you know the sky is falling. We're all we killed. It's like, you know, our imagination has really um, it's very powerful, much more powerful than we know, and maybe sometimes acknowledge. And so, optimism is basically looking at the world in a way that says, you know, I think we could have a good outcome. So I see this with COVID right now. You know, sometimes um, people will say to me, well, this will be over. And it's like, I love hearing that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a great sentiment. Just, you know, the belief, right? So it's the beliefs that kind of generate that intrinsic. And so, yeah, I yeah, like and that. exactly. It's like, and it will be over. You know, I, I, I hadn't, I had no idea that there had been a, an, a pandemic in 1918 in the country, which was um, probably every bit as impactful as this one. And I had no idea. And it's like, well, people moved on. And, and, you know, in my lifetime, I had never heard anything about it. So I think, you know, that optimism of, yes, COVID will be behind us at some point. And, and you know, it, it also, it helps us to look at, like, what is it we want to take with us with the optimism? Like, I, I also see some things that, you know, we're doing much differently. I, I look at what you guys are doing in wellness. It's like unbelievable. All of a sudden, one day the flip got, the switch got flipped. And it's like, okay, we're doing everything on a screen. <laughs> and right. it's amazing to watch how the how all of you just came together and went, let's put together programs that we can deliver and maybe we can't do them on site. But, you know, I've seen some really, really innovative things come out of um, COVID. And, you know, one of them is just the way that, that wellness delivers services. It's amazing. So, you know, as we move ahead, that optimism will help us look at, you know, what do we keep? as we move ahead and, and, and COVID is beyond us, behind us, and, you know, what do we change? So I think, you know, just having that, that point of view on things. So the fifth one is optimism. And then the sixth one is pretty straightforward. It's just looking at what are our strengths. And, you know, sometimes what we'll do is if, if I'm working with a client is, is just have them think about their strengths and spend some time with that. We all have strengths. You know, even when we think there are no strengths to be found anywhere within me, that's just not true. That you know, the fact that someone is looking at how to build strengths tells me that's a strength. Mm -hmm. um, so we all have strengths, and to look at those and build upon them, and then just finding meaning in our life. So you know, when I shared my story earlier, um, one of the things that I was really missing was just feeling like life didn't really have a meaning, and so. You know, as, as Shane said, I think it's okay to say, let's make some changes here and um, see what we can do to, you know, if I feel like there isn't enough meaning in my life, what can I do to build that? So, so those are just seven ways. And it, it probably feels like quite a bit of information, but seven ways that we can, can look at building um, that frame of mind where we, we feel quote unquote happier and, and, and increase our well-being and, and, um, attitude of, of how we see the world and ourselves. So um, thanks for asking the question. 
Yeah, that is an incredible, I think definitely it's so holistic in nature. Some things that came through my mind first, when you said positivity, um, yesterday I was having a conversation with Stephanie and she said her little sister, whenever something kind of interesting comes up, like unexpected as a function of COVID, she calls it, she came up with an alliteration and she calls it a positive pandemic plus. So, you know, I think a lot, like I know one um, group of uh, employer group that I'm working with, she actually said, you know, I haven't been, I've never been able to eat lunch with my kids because I've been a working mom. And I've always wondered, like, what would that feel like in the middle of a day to have, you know, lunch with my kids? So that's a way of practicing or nurturing that skill, that muscle of taking a positive mindset. So I loved that. So we kept saying it. It's a positive pandemic plus a PPP. <laughs> <It's great. laughs> um, and then the other thing that I thought of is um, I love the word savor. There's something just really, um, I don't know, just very instinctive or like a lot of humanity in the word saver because i think that you know it's really something like you said we're just taking that moment and i know that sometimes i can be very dialed in as a busy working mom of two boys where i feel like i'm just rushing from one thing to the next but i actually had that very experience where i was reading in my 12 year old's room reading aloud to him a historical fiction book and i looked over at him last week and just like him still wanting to at the age of 12 read with his mom i like totally savored it and you're right immediately even though i felt a little bit of anxiety i immediately felt it lift because i was taking the moment to savor that i was still you know my 12 year old still thought his mom was you know cool enough to read with <laughs> So that's just, I love those things. So I think, you know, some things at TSG, we constantly talk about gratitude practice. And so would you say that people should be really specific when they're like going through the actual tangible practice of doing gratitude? Should it be like, I'm grateful for this, you know, um, coffee, this hot cup of coffee, or I'm grateful for, you know, the 80 degree weather today, or is it okay for it to be more broad in nature or do both have um, merit? I think they both have merit. I, it's a really good question. I think the, um, the important thing is that whatever the person is grateful for, that they've put some thought into it and, and actually feel that feeling of gratitude. So, you know, it might be a morning cup of coffee, um, or it could be something really elaborate. And, you know, either either one is, is fine. It's just how does that person um, elicit that feeling of gratitude? And, you know, yeah. Oh, so I, cool. and I, I, I think the other thing is with gratitude is to um, not overcomplicate it because I think we all have this tendency. I know for myself, I have this tendency to maybe overthink something and then it it takes away the it's almost the the ability to savor it in the moment. So you know if I if I just see gratitude as something that I need to do, and it's like oh I grow, I'm grateful that I woke up this morning. Okay, what's next? <laughs> yeah, so uh, okay. good question. But I I think that's important with with gratitude. Um, and you know I mentioned it when I was talking earlier, but I I don't want to um, gloss over the fact that gratitude can also help us with forgiveness. And I think it's something that we miss sometime because, you know, in, in our culture, we have a tendency, <laughs> it's kind of, it's kind of interesting, but we have this tendency to think that our parents messed us up or many people have that, that um, belief. 
And then what happens, you guys know this really well, you have your own kids. <laughs> yep. and, and you realize like, you know, I'm really grateful for my parents. <laughs> they, they did a lot of really great things. And some of that is just what we've taught ourselves in some ways or, or allowed ourselves to focus on. So, you know, just being grateful for the people in our lives and what they've taught us. Even, you know, I can even say some of the people that I, I believed at the time were pretty miserable and maybe difficult to be around. Like they really taught me a lot about um, how I didn't want to be. So, you know, I don't, I don't mean that to be snarky or sarcastic, but, but it's like, you know, I don't think I'd want to live my life that way. So, so I've been grateful even for the, the struggles that I've, I've gone through in my life, whatever they might've been. Sometimes it takes time um, to move beyond them, but, but they pretty much create who we are. They, they, that's a big part of how we build our resilience, isn't it? It's like we, we get through a difficult time or a difficult situation, maybe with some difficult people or a person, and, and we realize that, wow, I did it. <laughs> I guess I do have some strengths. So, I think you both mentioned a few times already how just kind of this whole coronavirus has really just been like a level set, you know, causing us to be mindful of what's going on, be, you know, have gratitude to our basic needs. Like you said, we're at home with our families a lot of times. We can't go out. There's not the hustle and bustle of, you know, going to work, going to ball practice, going to meet up with friends. And so it's really been this kind of level set. And I think people have a huge opportunity to really be grateful about the moment that we have right now and to come out from it different, you know, using all these tools, Rick, that you talked about all these seven tools that can be implemented every single day during this coronavirus. And like you said, come out of it with a sense of resilience, come out stronger and ready to tackle whatever, you know, this new normal, or just go back to life differently. Mm -hmm. um, but through every single one of your seven steps, I could picture you implementing every single one. When you said humor, I mean, Rick is the one who makes jokes at every single meeting, whether it's a serious moment or not. As you can see, you're laughing during this podcast. You're, you have the humor, but you have the gratitude. You have the kindness. But then coming from your original story in terms of you were drained, you weren't passionate about what you were doing. Were you able to implement these tools and steps mindfully? Did it kind of happen? Did you stumble upon them? Because you're totally different now than you seems like you were back then. Yeah. And, um, you know, I think it's different for each person. And, you know, positive psychology is one one method and it can work really well. Uh, I guess what I would say is find what works for you as a person and, and go with it. So it could also mean that you you take some of the components from positive psychology and some of the components from something else. Um, so I. I I think that it's something that we build over time, but we we also uh, can look at what works for us. And and I think based on my own experience, I can say that, um, you know, I, I just had a passion for the topics around well-being and how to have a, a life that has meaning and purpose in it. So so I was I was pretty ravenous uh, in the beginning about looking at materials and and learning as much as I could. So um, so as I mentioned, you know, I'd seen a counselor back when, and one day in the session he said to me, you know, most people will build like he called it a cognitive life raft to get through a difficult time, and he said for some reason you're building like a, a cognitive Queen Mary. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, cool. So you were, your, your learning curve and your change. Yeah. Curve was yeah. And it was steep. just, it was time. So, you know, I think that that's an important piece is it has to be time for that person. And then, you know, 
choose those pieces that will work for you. I can tell you that one, one uh, exercise that just about any workshop on well-being or uh, resilience will do, probably more around resilience, is they will ask you to journal. And I hate, I hate to journal. <laughs> so, you know, when that exercise comes up, I'm like, okay, maybe I'll just doodle for a while. Um, so, but you know, that's fine. It's like, do what works for you. And, and, um, and I think it's important to have people that we, we can rely on. You know, that's one of the things that I love about working in wellness is um, you guys are really passionate about helping people. And you really do listen to what that person is looking for and what maybe maybe their um their their what would you call them their their blocks or their um their hindrances that might be in their way from from being able to to achieve a goal that they're trying to achieve and i just i i think it's great to um i think the the important piece is to have the humility to be able to ask someone else for help and you know that's something else that I think in our culture isn't isn't encouraged, but um, but I think it's important to be able to reach out and you know ask someone like in wellness or or maybe an EAP or wherever it might be, um, you know it could be a spiritual person in your life, whatever that is, to to like that was one thing that I realized at one point is like I want to find a happy person and ask them how they got happy. <laughs> so also with you know it also works with. Um, maybe diet and exercise and looking at your physical health. It's like, you know, look for someone who seems to be doing it and, and pick their brain. <laughs> yeah, I love that actually seeking out connection in the form of help, which actually leads me to um, another question, which you've spoken to the themes of COVID and things that are going on. You spoke about seeking help and not being afraid to do so as a way to help you in the resiliency and building a more, um, you know, positive mindset. So what do you see the role of social connection when it comes to positive psychology and how can we promote connection during COVID? Do you have any like creative things that people can, you know, work on? Cause I think what can happen is, we might, and I even see myself doing this where I get in a rut where I can go two months without talking to my two closest girlfriends. And then I realize like, what? Mm -hmm. It's been two months. So what is the role of social connection and positive psychology and how can we encourage people to, you know, be more connected? Yeah, really COVID? great question. The, um, yeah, the, and we see that quite a bit with people coming in, um, coming into EAP is one of the things that they'll, that they're looking for is how to increase connection in a time when it's so it can feel so challenging to to maintain connection and you know not only with with our friends but also with our work colleagues it's like you know i miss all of you guys <laughs> and being able to get together and, and see you and you know it's it's that that can be a challenge but i think it's you know what you were saying earlier is being aware of that and then also having some some i'll say intentionality around that like putting it on the calendar to say, I'm going to make a phone call at this time on this day. And maybe it doesn't work out, but then make sure that you reschedule that. So I think we have to schedule um, time for those connections because, you know, what what most of us are seeing and reporting is that, you know, time is really warped right now. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. So I, I totally hear what you're saying, Anna, where, you know, time can go by and it's like, wow, I haven't talked to my my best friends for you know a while and 
and it just slips up on us. It's like, oh yeah, that was two months ago, wasn't it? So yeah, so I think Sorry. scheduling it because connection is really important when you think about it. Um, you know, all those seven, in some ways, that connection with people that we care about pretty much ties in with all seven of those um, tools that we use in positive psychology. So connection is very important. And I'm glad that that you brought that up. And, and right now, I think some of that is just scheduling it, making sure that it's on our calendar. And, you know, I've had situations, you've probably had this this as well. I've had situations where a friend will call or set up a Zoom meeting. And as soon as the invitation comes in or they make the call, I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm so happy you called me. Like I, that's perfect. Like I hadn't, I, I'd been thinking about calling you, but I don't know what happened. It's like, you know, the time is just slipping by. But, you know, when we make those calls or reach out, the other, my experience is that on the other side, they're just as happy to receive the, the contact. So. Oh, yeah, I agree. And it sounds like you were savoring mm -hmm. that call, Rick. <laughs> right, right. I'm <laughs> grateful that they made it. <laughs> yeah. So to kind of wrap up, Rick, I mean, you've given us so much good information. Where are some books or resources or websites that you can kind of direct our listeners to, to to dive into this further and then hopefully kind of help develop and cultivate a practice of their own? Yeah. Um, one thing that I did want to mention uh when we were talking about COVID and I don't know if, have you guys seen that, that brief clip, it's called the great realization. No, I don't think so. Oh, wow. No. You, what, what uh, it's just is it on? a YouTube video and it's a, it's, I think the, the person who did it is 26 years old and he might be younger than that. Anyway, his brother is like eight years old and it's, it's done in a way where he's reading him a bedside, bedtime story and it's about the great realization and it takes place um, in the future and the story is about COVID and he's telling him about how the people were before this this happened and then he he goes into you know what people realized through experiencing this this pandemic and how they were afterward and how much they had changed and improved and they realized that even though it seemed like something um, really difficult to deal with at the time, that there were some really uh, wonderful results from going through that. So um, so I just wanted to mention that when we were talking about COVID, it's very powerful and it's only like a three minute clip. And um, it, it had quite an impact on me and anyone that's that's talked about it or, or seen it has had that, that same experience. We'll make sure and definitely. I actually, Oh, I actually, now I know that you're saying it, I did see it and it moved me quite a bit. So thanks for sharing that. So the great realization. They can yeah. Just and it's it under the, the person who did it. It's uh, Tom Foolery. <laughs> nice. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So um, some resources that are out there, of course, uh, you can always call EAP and we're more than happy to work with you around um you know, maybe setting some goals and some some ways that you can apply positive psychology in your life. Um, I would say that probably the best resources out there are uh, from the 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 father of positive psychology. Um, oh, my mind just went blank. Uh, you might have to edit this piece. Oh, Mart Martin Seligman. So anything by Martin Seligman is is really um, very good. 
So, you know, I would just look for something by Martin Selig, Seligman. And then, uh, and then, you know, the, it, I think that's probably your best resource is to look at, at something on positive psychology from Martin Seligman. So. Great. Thanks, Rick. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. I feel, you know, I think you affirmed a lot of the things that I, you know, maybe um, want mm -hmm. to embody, um, but a reminder too, because I think here's the thing, even if you are somebody who maybe has practiced these things in the past, it can be easy to get a little bit off course. I just say we all need recalibrating once in a while. So these are seven great tools to help you in addition to the theme of social connection to kind of, um, you know, help ourselves recalibrate. Great. And um, one thing that I would mention as well uh, is that, you know, positive psychology is really helpful from a wellness perspective. Um, when you look at even, um, I, I should say, like your, your physical well-being, because, you know, when you think about what is it that prevents us from going out for a walk or going for a run or going to the gym or whatever, whatever we, we would like to do to get our body moving or maybe um, eat more healthy, it's usually, you know, a lot of it is our attitude. And so, you know, it's it, all this, you know, studies show that that if we can overcome our, our negative attitudes toward um, doing something to take care of our body, then, you know, then we're probably going to do it. Now, you guys are great examples of that, where, you know, there are probably some mornings where it's like, uh-uh, <laughs> but you just push past it. And then what happens? You feel great because you've, you've pushed past that, that hesitancy in your mind. So I just wanted to, um, to throw that in there. That's a good point. And then it gets easier, right? It kind of builds on, mm -hmm. on itself from day to day and you kind of cultivate that practice and being mindful about how you feel and how you feel after that workout, especially. And then you wake up and you do it again the next day. Mm -hmm. Right. I love it. Well, great, Rick. Well, thank you so much for your time. And like I said, there's so much great information. I think Anna touched on it, but I think even though we kind of practice these things, it's always good to reset and really be mindful about where you're at currently and just, just make sure we're practicing some of these, these things. Great. Yeah, thank you guys. Thanks, it was Rick. great being here today. That was some wonderful information that Rick shared with us on the power of positive psychology. I think it's important, especially now in the times of coronavirus, to just check in on your mental health and positivity levels. Rick was able to stress the importance of being mindful and present in the moment to just cultivate a life of less worry and stress and more overall optimism for life. For more information on the EAP services that Rick and his team at the Solutions Group offer, go to solutionsbiz.com. We look forward to having you join us next time on Wellness Connections with the Solutions Group.